find yourself in Matthew 21 today. Matthew 21 today. chapter 21, and uh, we'll kind of look through, we'll kind of land on uh, somewhere around the 23rd verse, but as you turn there, we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, again, we can't thank you enough for everything that you're doing in our lives, Lord. We can't thank you enough for the uh, things that, the plans and the thoughts that you have towards us are more numerous than the sands, Lord, that uh, we don't even... Uh, have it conceived in our minds and the thoughts of the things that you have planned for us, Lord. But we trust you by faith that you're going to will and work this thing out in our life, Lord, as uh, we come before you, as we surrender our lives to you, Lord, that we can be all that you've called us to be and uh, see the things that you would allow us to see and to hide from us the things that would scare us to death. But we thank you for the way that you protect your children as a loving father uh, protects his children, Lord. You are that loving father who protects us, and we thank you for that, Lord. As we go to the Word today, Lord, I pray that you uh, touch us in a mighty way, that you open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive that which the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to the church today. And Lord, may you come convict and correct the hearts of the lives of your children, Lord, as we look into your Word, Lord, do a mighty, marvelous work today, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. And today we're going to talk about recognizing your moment uh, and responding to it. Recognizing a moment uh, when it happens in your life and how you would respond to that because God wants you to recognize when He shows up in your life. He wants you to recognize His strength in your life. He wants you to recognize uh, His peace in your life as the song she just uh, sung about, the peace of God in your life and, and, uh, and the moments in your life that we have. And you know, they say that Hindsight is 2020. Uh, that we would look back on our life and we would wish that we could have done some things different. We wish we wouldn't have said this or would have said that, took this job or not took that job, uh, been a little better, been a little worse, done a little different, uh, and different things. So we know that the hindsight is, uh, like they say, 2020. And we've all had those moments in our lives those uh, could have, would have moments, the should have, would have, glad we did moments. Uh, we definitely don't want to. We want to build off of those glad we did moments and not uh, uh, dwell in a permanent residence of I wish I should have and, and in a, a bitterness. Uh, we certainly want to build off of those triumph moments, those moments in your life that you recognize were God moments and you responded to those and you watched God do a mighty work in your life. And that's the kind of moments we want to uh, look at today. And that's what we're going to look at, how to recognize those moments and how we respond in those because when God shows up in your life, He changes everything. Amen. He changes everything about it. Everything begins to change, uh, even you, especially you. Uh, but now He's the Lord God and He changes not. So it's recognizing that makes the difference and the response makes the difference, but your response makes a difference in your life, but your, your response don't make a difference in His life. And I'll talk about that and just a minute, uh, Jesus in, in chapter 21, uh, He knows that His time is near. He knows that He's uh, finishing the end of His course. Uh, he's uh, headed to Jerusalem. He's headed to the cross. Uh, in chapter uh, 21, at the very beginning, it says that they drew nigh to Jerusalem and they had come to Beth, Bethphage, Beth, and unto the Mount of Olives, and sent Jesus' two disciples, saying, Go into the village over against you straightway, and you will find a donkey tied in a coat with her loose them and bring them to me. 
And if any man say aught unto you, shall say, The Lord has need unto them. Uh, straightway he will send them. Uh, and so Jesus, knowing his time is near and, and that the cross is near, he recognizes that his moment has came. His time is near. It is, his time is at hand out of his own mouth, he would say. And he sets his face uh, to do that which he's called and that which he's committed to do, that which he was born to do, that which he was prepared to do, that which that was uh, predestined, I guess, from the foundation, the lamb slain. Uh, his passion with his power, he sets his face to go to Jerusalem, and he knows that it's not going to be easy. He knows that it's uh, not going to, uh, but he has no regrets because he recognizes it's his moment, and he responds to it. It's who he is. It's what he's called to do. It, it's it's what he's supposed to do. So the Bible says that he rides in on a donkey, verse 5. Uh, uh, Tell you, daughter of Zion, behold, the king cometh unto thee meek and sitting on a donkey and the coat and the foal of a donkey. And the disciples went and they did just as Jesus commanded him. And they brought the donkey and they put their clothes on it and he rode in and the crowds and the multitudes went before him in a procession and laid down their uh, palm branches and their clothes, uh, 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 their garments, it says, in the way. And the multitudes went before him, verse 9, crying, Hosanna to the Son of David, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna uh, to the highest. Jesus recognizes what he's supposed to be doing. He recognizes that moment and he rides in and he rides in as a king. He rides in as the king of glory. The king of, uh, uh, the, king of the world. Don't look much like a king, but is a king nonetheless. Don't, he's riding on a donkey. He is the king, whether you admit it, whether you recognize him, whether it looks like it or not, he is the king. He is the king. So don't let the donkey fool you. Don't let the donkey fool you. Don't let it distract you from who he is uh, and how he rides in. He's a king nonetheless. Just because he's riding in this way on a donkey today don't mean he's not going to ride in in another way a little later. He rides in on a white horse later. He, he's seated on a throne later, we'll see. He's hung on a cross later. King nonetheless. Behold the King of the Jews. He's the King with all power and all glory and all majesty and His own garments and He's sitting on a donkey. He's a King with all power, with all majesty, with all glory and He's sitting on a white horse and a sword's coming out of His mouth and He's the King with all power, glory and majesty and He's sitting on a throne and He's worthy to open the scrolls. He's worthy to open the seals. He's worthy to take His place at the right hand of the Father and John cries out, Who can open it? And they say, No none's worthy but him and I looked and beheld a lamb that had been slain and he was a king mighty investor and he was worthy to sit on the throne and the angels and the seraphim spun around and thousands upon thousands bowed down when he come in on the donkey many bowed down as he seated on this throne all bow down and the angels go, glory, glory, Amen. glory, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, great, mighty, wonderful, powerful things He's done because He wouldn't finish at the cross. He's still working and willing in this world today and doing great, mighty things on our behalf. And He's seated on this throne. He's still a king. Whether they call Him king that day or not makes no difference. Every one day, every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess that He's King. Amen. There's no debate in that. There's no arguing that He is the King. Can you praise Him today because He is the King and you know in whom you trusted. And if He's the King, then I have nothing to worry about because I'm His Son. Amen. 
because you're his daughter. So he's the king and he's riding in. So just because he shows up on a donkey today don't mean he's not going to show up in another form in another fashion on another day because he's the king. He's not a king. He's the king. He's the king. He's the one. He's the one. He's the king. He is the king of kings seated at the right hand and he lives forevermore. He's not a king. He's the king. And you know what? Because you didn't crown him king, you can't remove his crown. You can't remove his crown. He will always be the king. You just got to recognize when the king shows up in your life. You got to recognize when the king shows up in your life. And he goes in verse 12. He's going to take on a few different forms right here. And I want to show you the distinctions in this. In verse 12 it says, And so the first thing he does is he comes in. They call him king. He comes into the temple and he flips the tables over. He flips the table, verse 12, and he went into the temple of God and he cast them out and he flips the, over through the tables of the money changers and the seats with them and he said, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer and you've made it a den of thieves. He gets off as a king uh, and comes in as a priest. He comes in as a priest and he goes in because only the priest can go in and condemn a priest. He's the only one that can enter into the temple. He's a priest, but he's not just a priest. He's the priest. He's the high priest. He's, the, he's two forms right here. He's the priest and the sacrifice. And he goes in here and he's always been a high priest. He's the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. He has always been a high priest. Always been able. He was behind the veil before the veil was. He come from a, far from the foundations of the world as the lamb slain. He's always ministered before the Lord. He's always been before the Lord. He's always been in the temple. He's always been there. And that's why His blood speaks so much louder than the blood of sheep and goats because there's only one man and one mediator and one high priest that can take away the sins of the world and it's Jesus Christ. Amen. It is Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can do it. And He goes in right here and He says, This is my house. Yes. And you made it a den of thieves. It's my house. Why would you act like this in my house? And the chief elders and the high priests say, what, what, is he, what kind of authority does he have to come in here and do those things? By what authority do you come and do these things? And whose authority is it? By what authority? Come in my house. And when they hear that, they say, my house. This is God's house. This is God's house. This ain't your house. This is God's house. It's God's house. What is he saying? Is he God? There's blasphemous of the day. How's he showing up? He's showing up as a priest. My house. As a Christ. As God. 14, it says there was a blind man and a lame came and he healed them. He shows up as a healer. To all that cried out. For all that couldn't see the way that they should see. For, because blindness is an inability to perceive light. And He came as a light unto the darkness. And He was the light. And in Him was the light of men. And in Him He gave those who had no ability to perceive light the ability to perceive light. And those became the sons and daughters of God. Those became the sons and daughters of God. And that's what He came. He gave light to them. And those who couldn't walk in what He wanted because they were lame and halt and double-minded, He lifted them up, put them on solid ground, and He, and he picked them right up and he, walked, and he healed those who couldn't walk in what He was walking in and they couldn't see what He was seeing. And if they didn't want to see, He was a healer. He was a healer. Verse 15, Son of David... Chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things. Now it's amazing that the chief priests and the scribes 
saw these wonderful things and it displeased them. It, it displeased them if I come in here and we healed the blind, healed the sick, saved the lost, and they get mad. Yeah. They got mad. Yeah. And it Ooh. says in 15, it says, And the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things they did, and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna, the son of David. And they were sore displeased. Why? Hosanna, son of David. Son of David. Who is the son of David? Who is the son of David? It's not Jesus who is the son of David. The son of David is the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the one who's coming after. He's the one whose latchets, uh, sandals are not worthy to be touched by anybody else. He is the Christ. And so they're hearing all kind of the king, the high priest, uh, God, the son of God, a healer, the Christ, the anointed one, the anointed one, and the anointed one goes into the temple and he turns over the table and they say, by what authority? What authority does? So he's a king, he's a priest, he's God, he's a healer, he's the Messiah, and he's also, we can't, we can't overlook this one, he's the prophet. Yeah. He's the great prophet that comes in. He was the great prophet that comes <laughs> in. Uh, you see it throughout the scripture. Go, get the donkey. So, because it is written of me that I will ride in on a donkey and the colt of a donkey. 13, same thing. Uh, that was verse 5. 13, uh, and he said, It is written, and my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Verse 16, have you not ever heard out of the mouth of uh, babes? Have you never read that? That out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise. He's the prophet. He's the prophet. But this is the one that really gets me. The king, the Messiah, the healer, the prophet, the Christ. In verse 17 said that he left and he went to, uh, out of the city to Bethany and he lodged there. Now in the morning as he returned into the city, he was hungry. So he was the priest, the king, the God, the healer, the Messiah, the prophet. And who else? He was just like me. I was hungry this morning as well. I'll be hungry in a minute too. I was tired. I needed to go too. I needed a minute alone too. And the Bible says not only was he all these things, but he was hungered. He was the God-man. He was the God-man. The Bible says that, and it, and it says that there's, a, there's no distinction in, in God and, and the man. He said, he, I'm going to have to read it because I can't do it right. But there is a distinction. Let's see. Philippians 2 says it this way. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God. Jesus is the form of God. He didn't think it would be robbery to be equal with God because He was God but made Himself of no reputation took on the form of a servant and was made just like you and I. Just like you and I. And being found just like you and I, there was, a de there was a definite distinction, and this is it. And unlike you and I, He humbled Himself and He became obedient. He humbled Himself and He... He didn't say He... He wasn't humbled. He humbled Himself. Paul said it this way, When I was a child, I thought like a child. I spoke like a child. And I acted like a child. But when I grew up, I put those things away. Same way here. He, God will humble you, but you don't want that. You want him on the, you want the, you want him on the donkey. You don't want him on the white horse. You, you don't want God to humble you. Humble yourself under his mighty hand. 
Humble yourself. And there's a big distinction there. Though he came like man, he was like us. He humbled himself and became obedient. And it is a daily working, a daily walking, a daily struggle. It is daily, constantly making every... We wake up every morning uh, making a decision to obey and then we make every decision to obey every step that we take. Every step that we take is a decision. And it's not... It's not an overwhelming or, 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 or walking a line. That's the chief priest and all. That's them. It's loving the God, loving the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord, do you want me to go here? Do you want me to do this? you want me to say that? I know I'm at work, but I, and I know I'm making these. You can do this stuff at work. You can do it at home. You do it in your life because it's who you are. Because it's who you are. It's, it's not, and it's what you are. Uh, so he shows up in your life in different kind of ways. Now the problem is, is we don't recognize him uh, sometimes when he shows up uh, as all-powerful, as the healer, as the provider, forgiver. However he shows up in our life, the, you can tell when he shows up because of the way he's moving. Uh, and the form that he comes into your life, whether he comes into your life in all these, it brings two things. He's either a distraction or it's a distinction. You're either distracted by the God, the king on the donkey, or you realize he's the king. One of you is either it either it either sets him apart because scripture, or it sets him apart because it's outrageous. Because it's outrageous. If there's a distraction, can't be on a donkey, tearing up a church, pushing over the tables, cursing fig trees, taking people out of your life that don't belong there. Bringing people into your life that do. Can't some of the things that He overturns in your life, can't they be good things? And can't, can't the, uh, if, if your life's a mess and it's, and it's a den of thieves and He turns it over and makes it a, a den of forgiveness and goodness, isn't that a good thing that He turned that table over? Isn't it a good thing that He brought that into your life? Isn't it some things that He brings in that you don't recognize a good thing? Removing people, bringing people... Or is it distinctive? It's Him riding. Hosanna, King of kings. Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. This is His church. This is His will. This is His way. And because a lot of times you've got to get down before you can get up. You've got to be brought down. He says because if you don't humble yourself, He will humble you. But you can be like Him and let that mind that is in Him be in you. And you can humble yourself and become obedient. Unto the death, even the death of the cross. And he's never asked you to go to the cross. Paul said, I, I would go to the cross for my beloved countrymen if I could, but he wouldn't do no good. Because there's only one offering and only one sacrifice. And his arms were stretched out wide so all that could come in and his feet were brought together like a Jew and Gentile like me and you. And he was pierced for our transgressions and wounded for our iniquities. And he was brought together And he comes right again. Must be him. Because he wants to help you. He don't want to hurt you. He wants to help you. He wants to hurt you. That's why he brings you into these places in your life. These seasons into your life. Because he knows what's best. He wants to help you. Not hurt you. And you know it's just amazing how fast that things can turn around. And, and things can change. He's been with his disciples all this time. And, and there's about three days left of the cross. And he's cursed the fig tree and it died. And in verse 20 says, They marvel on how quick that this tree withered. I marvel how quick that we were here yesterday and the tree 
was alive and thriving and we come back today and it's withered and dead. I'm amazed, Lord, at the way that you can take one situation and turn it around and uh, uh, something that, I, that was thriving in my life and you can kill it in my life and it can be gone the next day that you can take this situation and remove it just like that and you can take this situation and improve it just like that. I'm amazed at how quickly you can work in my life, Lord. I'm amazed at how quickly that one word, speak your word only, Lord. Speak your word only, Lord. I'm amazed at how quickly He can move in your life if you'll just hear Him. If you'll just hear Him. Because this is what He's doing here. And I, I noticed this in the text. Out of the mouth of two, let a thing be established. That's, that's the words of the Lord. Out of the mouth of two, let a thing be established. And that's why He spoke this way, verily, verily, truly, truly. And Abraham, he said, he could swear by no other. Verily, verily, I tell you, I tell you, I mean out of the mouth of two, let a thing He's the king. He rides in. It is written. It is written. He's the king riding in. You see it and you hear it. He flips table, tables over. It is written. That's out of the mouth of two. God's doing it and God's saying it. God's doing it and God's saying it. So you, and then there's another one. Uh, Son of David, it is, have you not heard have you, that it is written that out of the mouth of babes? He's doing it and you're hearing it. You can recognize it in your life, and you, but you got to respond to it. you got to hear it because you'll see Him working and you'll hear Him calling, and the only thing that's stopping you is usually you. It's usually us. He reminds us. We see it and we hear it. Two things. Him. Barely, barely. He, I, I know it's working. I know this is what it is. Two things out of the mouth of two. He's, he's wanting to do a work in your life. He's wanting to do something great in your life. And He shows you and He tells you. And He shows you and He tells you. And He shows you and He tells you. And you stand there. And you can respond in a couple of ways. Hosanna, King of the Kings. Or you can see great wonderful things that He's doing and it can displease you because He's doing it in your life and He's not doing it in mine. Amen. Because I'm impatient. Because I, I'm mad at you. Because He's working all things together good for your life. And, I, and I'm, uh, I'm a little impatient and He's not doing it in mine. <laughs> Some things take a little longer. Some houses are built a little stronger. Some foundations have to go a little deeper. Sometimes, sometimes He just wants to use you in a mighty way. Sometimes, I'm going to tell you, if uh, I hasn't seen or ear heard the things that He's got in store for you, then you don't really know what He's got in store for you. And so you can't really determine which is the best way for you to go, if you haven't never seen it or you hadn't heard it, you got to walk this thing out by faith. you got to walk this thing out by faith. And that's where we get to right here. He's talking in this one parable. We're going to talk about these uh, four things. But I want, you to, I want you to, as we look at each way that the Lord showed up, I think this is very important. So I just want to kind of teach this for just a second. Recognizing God in your life. When the King shows up, I'm going to tell you this is what's going to happen in your life. When the King shows up in your life, there's going to be some majesty and praise moments that come before you. There's going to be some heralding. heralding. There's going to be majesty. There's going to be praise. There's going to be worship that goes before the King of Kings because whether you realize that He's your King or not, whether you call Him King or not, He is the King. 
and the majesty and the angels and everything, if his foot touches down in the life of someone or you, then the majesty and the praise is going to all. So if you see people clap, if you hear people shout, if you hear people holler amen, it's because the king has been come before them in their life and the yeah. spoils are behind them and they're walking in something that you can walk into and it's called victory and spoils because the battle belongs to him. He goes before me. He makes a way. He brings me through. He does these yeah. things not because of anything but because he's the king. Because he's the king. So we shout and we praise him because we have the spoils. It says he leads captivity captive and he parades them down the streets and he shows off his spoils and says, look, these are my children and you don't hold them anymore. They're free. That's what Ephesians talks about. And so when the king shows up, worship always goes before and the spoils always come behind. And that's the way the king makes his interest in the entrance into there. When the priest shows up, righteousness is going to be there. When the priest shows up in your life, this is how you know which one's coming in your life. There's going to be some conviction there. Amen. There's going to be some some uh, in some areas in your life because the the holy of holies has showed up, Amen. and you're going to Isaiah said he fell down and said, "Get away from me! I'm a man of unclean lips." Peter falls down in the boat and says, "Get away from me, Lord! I'm not worthy to be in your presence." When the Holy of Holies shows up in your life, there's going to be some conviction and there's going to be some condemnation on you and some guilt. But hold your head back up high. Get up off the ground because He'll touch your tongue with a coal. He'll get you back up, put a net in your hand, and you'll cast back out and do what God's called you to do because He came not to condemn the world, but save the world. That's why He came. That's why He came. So don't fear the priest. Don't fear the priest. And when the prophet shows up, the same thing. He's always going to convict you. It's always going to give you a choice. They had one too. Who is this? In 11, they said, it's a prophet. I guess. When the prophet shows up, he's going to give you a choice because the prophet's going to guide you. The prophet guides you. That's your preachers. That's your pastors. That's the people in your life that's giving you a choice. But this is the prophet. This is that Holy Spirit of conviction that comes down on you and says, walk you this way. Turn to the right. Turn to the left. Go straight. It's that Proverbs 3 type conviction that walks and directs your path. He is a light. He is a lamp. And then when Christ shows up, I love it right here, when Christ shows up, it says in 14, and the blind and the lame came to the temple and He healed them. The blind and the lame came to the temple and He healed them. And they hollered crying out, Son of David, when Christ shows up in your life, everybody can see it. Yes. Everybody can walk in it. You walk in a different way. You talk in a different way. You look in a different way. You speak in a different way. you got a spring in your step. you got a pep in your step. You got Christ in your tongue. It's all that it says singing to yourselves in psalms and heavenly hymns. It's those things. And, and then when the man shows up, he is the one. 18, it says that the man, he was hungered. He is the man who is the mediator, the man Christ Jesus. He says, Father, all mine that you've given me, I've kept all but one. And I've kept this one. He's the mediator. He's, he's the hand that binds and holds. He's the body. Blesses the tie that binds. He keeps me and the Father connected. He keeps us connected. He is the man, the mediator, Christ Jesus. When the Savior shows up, 
In 42, it says, Did you not ever read the Scriptures that the stone which the builders rejected is the same one has become the head in the corner? This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in your eyes. I'm going to tell you something about when the Savior shows up, though. When the Savior shows up, He does it fiercely. He's a violent taken by force. He does some things in your life you ain't never heard of before, you ain't never seen before, and He does it in a way that you ain't never read about, you ain't never heard about, and you can only testify about because it's the power of God's work in your life. I don't know how he did it. I don't know how he cleaned me up. I don't know how he brought me up, but the scripture in 42 says, it's the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in my eyes. And that's all I know. And if I can't praise him enough and I can't thank him enough, he's done it all in my life. I can't tell you how he did it. I don't know if there's a 12-step program out there that can do it. I don't know if there's a doctor out there that can heal it. All I know is it was the Lord's work and it was marvelous in my eyes. And that's what he does when the Savior shows up. You ain't got to explain it. If you can explain it, it wasn't him. He does a new thing in your life. You're a new creation. You didn't change because of something you heard about unless it was the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the only thing that can change you. It's the only thing that can change you. So, we'll get into our text. He comes to them and he says this. They say, by what authority do you teach these things? By what authority do you say these things? And who give it to you? 24 and 25. This is my key. This is my, this is my scripture right here. And when he had come into the temple, chief priests and elders, your pastors, I don't know if it's, yet, I don't know if it's the Pharisees, the guys at the gates, your lawyers, your judges. I don't know who the elders are, but we're just going to bear with me. Don't, don't focus on that. Uh, uh, the people came unto him and was teaching and said, by what authority do you do these things and who gave you this authority? And Jesus said, hey, I'll tell you. Let me ask you one thing. If you'll tell me, I'll tell you. The baptism of John. What was it? Where did it come from? Was it from heaven or men? I'll tell you by what authority I do these things. You tell me if John's baptism was of heaven or of men. And they reasoned in themselves because they said, well, if we tell them it was from heaven and we killed him, then they'll, they'll get mad at us and throw us out of here. And if we tell them it was of men, we know in which high regard they hold John, so we can't do it. I, I don't know. I don't know. They just, that's, what, that's what they said. We don't know. And he said, well, then I'm not going to tell you why, what authority by which I do these, 27. And he answered, Jesus said, we cannot tell. And he said unto them, neither tell you than I what authority I do these things. But I will tell you this, he says. But I will tell you this. There was a father that had two sons. There was a father, a certain man, 28. And he came to the first. He said, son, go work your day in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, likewise. And he answered and said, I'll go, sir. And he went not. Which of the two did the will of the father? And they said unto him, the first, Jesus said, and they said unto him the first, Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that the publican and the harlot goes into the kingdom of God before you. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and you believed him not. And the publicans and the harlots believed him, and you, when you've even seen it, you didn't repent, that you might believe him. The father had two sons, and he went to, uh, and he went to them, and he said, Will you work in my vineyard, son? Will you work in the vineyard for me, son? Let me get my bearings. And he, he reveals four people right here. The priest, the elder, and, uh, 
the publican and the harlot, and he does it through two sons. He gets the two sons and he walks them out to the edge of the fields and he says, Look, look at my vast vineyard. Look out over the fields. Boy, ain't the harvest ripe? Ain't it ready? Look how the wheat's bowing down. Look how it's ready to be harvested and all of it's mine. Will you go today, son? Will you go and work in your daddy's field today? I, I, I won't. I'm not going to daddy's field. I'm not going, the one said, and he repented and he went. And the other said, Yeah, I'll go, daddy. I, I, I'll go and work in your field. And he didn't go. He didn't go. He didn't go to the field. Verse 28, he said, This is my field. Will you go work in my field? I planted this field. Go work in my vineyard. There's plenty to do here. You don't have to go elsewhere. There's plenty to do here. Don't worry. I provided everything that you need for the harvest. I provided everything. I provided the seed. I provided the field. I provided. I need you, son. I need you. I need you to go. I need people. Can't you see that the laborers are few? Son, it's time. The seasons are changing. The harvest is coming. The time is near. Like Jesus set His face in, to go to the cross. It's coming. It's close. It's closer today than it's ever been. Even if it's a thousand years away, it's closer today than it's ever been. Son, will you go before the season's over? We've only got but a moment. We've only got but a moment to gather, to get, and to bring in, and to respond. And you know, he's standing there with these two sons, and he's telling these four people, he's telling the chief elders and the priests this parable, and at that point, Matthew, the tax collector, is standing on one side of Jesus, and there's a, maybe a woman on the other side of Jesus, and he says, and, and he looks at the chief priests and the elders, and he said, no, you won't. You, won't. You, you walk around. You walk around the field. Not to defile yourself. There was a certain man who fell among robbers and thieves, and the priest came down from Jerusalem and walked around him not to defile himself. While Matthew, the publican, stands beside him and the harlot stands beside him in the vineyard. The same harlot perhaps that they drug her out of the bed and picked up rocks was going to throw her out of the same people that was going to throw rocks at her are standing there and Jesus is telling them a story and He said, you won't even go. You won't even go after these people. You won't even go after you pass by. Elder, you judge every time they come through the gates. Harlot, publican, sinner. Look at this man. He eats with sinners. And, it's, and I've not called you to be the king. I've not called you to be the priest. I've not called you to be a prophet. I've not called you to, uh, to do these things. I've called you to work in the vineyard. I've called you son. To work in the vineyard. To get out there. And to get after it. I've called you. And you've judged. But this publican here who has taken and taken and robbed and stole and cheated, <coughs> he's in the vineyard. And this harlot who has given and given so much to so many different people in so many of the wrong ways and has been trampled on, she could tell you stories about how good the vineyard owner is to her. She could, she could tell you how stories about how easy her life is now. And it's not just anything about it. It's not about elders and, and chief priests. Nicodemus is in the vineyard. Joseph of Arimathea, he's in the vineyard. 
There's fishermen in the vineyard. There's others. Thomas, there's doubters in the vineyard. There's Mary and Martha's in the vineyard. There's a Lazarus who was dead in the vineyard. Simon the leopard, he's in the leopard. Leopard, he's in the vineyard. And he looks at the chief priest and the elders and say, Why would you pass them by? Why would you, why would you not help them up? Why would you judge them when you come in and not try to help them because you've made my house a den of thieves? When I've called you not to be the priest and the prophet, but a servant of the Lord. I've called you to not to be self-righteous or judgmental, but to go out in the vineyard and bring them in. Bring them in. Bring them to me for another king. To, to their king. To this king. What does he say? Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. And he looks out over this vineyard at his people and says they are made in the image and likeness of God. Will you not render under the king what belongs to the king? Will you not go out into the vineyard and do what I told you to do? There's no better employer than the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no better benefit system. No better 401k. No better retirement plan. No, more, no better health care. No better reward than working from the Father of the vineyard. Chapter 4, this says he went out at 6, he went out at 9, he went out at 12, he went out at 3, he went out at 5, and he rewarded them. He rewarded them, and the one at 6 was a little upset because they got the same thing. And he looks at him and says, Will I not do right? Will the, will the Lord of the harvest not do right with the vineyard? And the reality is this. The two sons look out at the harvest and even after they see the harvest, even when they see it, even when they see it, one repents and one goes. Because they gotta, you got to realize that this is your moment to recognize and to respond. This is your moment. And I want to get this right. When you look out at the harvest, I need you to recognize it's your family. It's your loved ones out here. And I can reach them. And Ryan can reach them. You can reach them, but they can't. But I need you to come alongside of me and help me reach mine. I need you to come alongside of me and help me reach mine in the vineyard. Your family is out here in the vineyard, and a lot of times the vineyard's so full, you got some workers in the vineyard, and they are your family, and thank God for them. And then there's some in the vineyard that need to be saved and need to be harvested because the season's coming to a close. And the time is at hand. Your sons and daughters, my sons and daughters, and grandkids live in the vineyard. And that's just the reality of the fact. Our families live in this vineyard as Brother Chris comes. And as we stand, I want to ask you a question today. I'm not going to ask you a question. I'll ask, as Ms. Marie comes and Brother Chris as we stand. Today the question was presented in the, the text today. Will you go into the vineyard and go after them? This is very serious right here. It's so tough. I debated on this, but I think this is the Lord. Will you go into the vineyard and go after them? That's the question that's presented in the text. Will you go to the vineyard and get them? Yours or mine? I may not can reach mine, and you may reach mine. I may not can reach yours, you may reach yours. It's His will and His vineyard. His will, His vineyard.
You just got to recognize your moment and you got to respond. You got to respond. And the question is not where you go. The question is not where you go. I need you to think about this. If your heart's burning, if your mind's racing, if the Lord's speaking to you, if you feel something in you that's drawing you out, if you feel something powerful in you, I need you to ask yourself this. I don't want you to ask yourself, should I go to the vineyard? Should I not go? I don't want you to ask yourself this question. I want you to ask yourself this question in verse 25. This voice you're hearing, from where does it come from? Does it come from Jeff? Or does it come from heaven? That's the question. Everybody knows that the vineyard's out there. Everybody knows that they don't want nobody to perish. The question is, is the one who's calling you, are you going because I'm up here begging and pleading? Or is that voice in your heart and in your head that's steering and that's drawing you? Where does it come from? Does it come from my words or did it come from His words? Where did it come from? Heaven or man? That's the question. 